It is a very wonderful piece of scripture that we have today. But before we read it, let us ask for God's blessing. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you that you are God indeed, and we praise you, and we thank you for you have provided your word for us, that we can read it, and also we pray that you give us understanding, that as we go through it, we'll be enlightened, that um, your word will continually dwell in our hearts. We thank you and we bless you in your name we pray, amen. Chapter 6, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Procras, Nicano, Timon, Parfinus, and Nicholas, a, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before apostles when they had prayed and laid hand on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. A great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then the people arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen. This was a synagogue of the former slaves. Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say, 
that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the custom which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. And that is the end of chapter 6. <laughs> it, is, it has two stories that we won't complete today. The next would be the preaching from this man called Stephen. But today what we have in this chapter, I have titled it, The Unique Problem. <laughs> I don't know how unique it is, but we are going to find out through the scriptures. As we look at the history of the, this early church as we study, we see how God's math works, the mathematics of God. First, we, we are told that he added to the church daily. And then he also multiplied the disciples. So he adds to the church, and those who come to the church, they are disciples. They, they are becoming numerous in number. But he never divides. So God's mouth in regards to the church is addition and multiplication. But Satan is the deceiver and the divider. And we've already seen him at work. We see that he tried to attack the church. Number one, with what? Persecution. He tried to use the religious leaders to persecute the church. He tried to use those who were in authority to try to take the church down, and that was not possible. And number two, we see corruption and hypocrisy. This one we see in the life of a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. They lied about the money, and the Holy Spirit struck them dead to purify the church. So, you know, these are the things that the enemy is trying to use, persecution and this corruption, that the Holy Spirit dealt with that. And now what we have today is complaining and murmuring. Complaining and murmuring. And this is very prevalent. It wasn't just there in the beginning, it has gotten root throughout the years, and we have it here with us in our local congregations, at our workplaces, at our homes. There's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of murmuring about issues. This chapter presents us with a unique situation at the church, mixed feeling of neglect by these two groups. And the insinuation is that their widows are not put into consideration. Our widows are neglected. This is just the beginning of things. <laughs> the, 
they've never dealt with this issue before. So they have to pray to God to give them wisdom on how to go about it. Wisdom and discernment. The Bible tells us here, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. We would say that the church was experiencing growing pain. Or what my wife would call a growth spot. <laughs> this child is growing. Ajalala ni kwa growth spot. Things are stretching. Things are growing in this child's life. It is very uncomfortable. We, we never realize these things. Very uncomfortable. The Hellenists, these were Grecians. They were the Greek-speaking Jews who had come to Palestine from other nations and therefore may have not spoken Aramaic, the language that these um, Hebrew people spoke. While the Hebrews were Jewish residents of the land who spoke both Aramaic and Greek. And the fact that the outsiders thought to be neglected this created a situation that could have divided the church. However, the apostles never gave in to Satan. They never gave Satan a foothold because they knew his schemes. The lies of the devil are just the same, same ones. Just changing the language a little bit, the same, same things he does. And so here we have a situation that has been brought before them. This is what they did. The twelve, the apostles, summoned all the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. He ain't saying that serving tables are not important. He's not saying that we are not going to do it anymore. In fact, they were doing it. And they were not able to reach to everybody. That is why the problem arose. These are only 12 men and the disciples are thousands upon thousands. When they brought their resources before the feet of the apostles, they tried to do their best to serve the people, to pray, to rightly divide God's word to them, and to go to where they are and distribute these resources. And you can be sure when that is happening, there will be people who will be left out, but not intentionally. But the problem is sometimes people are not gracious to these leaders. We would think that, you know, they are all-knowing. If matters are not brought before their attention, there are some things they will not know. They will not. They're just humans who have been given a responsibility. It doesn't make them superpowers. 
This is what he said. Therefore, brethren, seek from among you seven men. Seek from among you. In other words, we are learning also that as people were being added to the church, there was maybe a one-on-one discipleship going on or a group fellowship going on, but there was just something going on with them. There was constant fellowship. And that is why when the apostles are saying, choose from among you. In other words, whoever you're bringing, make sure they're born again. (laughs) Make sure there's some qualification that we're going to read here. Make sure they are people that are not being taken out. They are people from within. But before we get there, you know, these challenges and these problems, these church problems, sometimes they also give us opportunities to grow and learn. A few things that we would see here, that these church problems gave them the opportunity, number one, to examine their ministry and to discover the changes that are needed. To examine their ministry and to discover the changes that are needed. A change had to be made for everyone to be served equally. And number two, this challenge or problem also gives us opportunity to exercise our faith, not only to the Lord Jesus, but also to each other. This situation led them to appoint men from within to serve. D.L. Moody used to say, that it is better to put 10 men to work than to try to do the work of 10 men. It is better to put 10 men to work than to do a 10 men work with an individual. You are going to strain bad. And in fact, it, it can kill you. You remember what they say to Moses? his father-in-law, said to him, if you continue this way, I'm not going to have a (laughs) son-in-law. You're going to die. So choose from among these elders people who will deal with these domestic issues. Choose people so that you are relieved of this duty. And that aspect is coming in here very handy as we see the church is growing. The church is an organism, that means it lives, and also an organization with which order should be found. There must be order in the church, not people just doing things the way they want. A lot of the letters that we'll see in the New Testament, some of them are very corrective letters. 
You know, people are doing weird things in the church. Paul is writing to correct it. You know, how, how did you allow this to happen? You Galatians, you foolish Galatians. Why did you, you began in the spirit, now you're perfecting things in the flesh. Who bewitched you? It's a weird word when you're hearing from your pastor. Who bewitched all of you? You began well, but you're perfecting things. You're making things perfect in the flesh. You know how we make those things perfect in the flesh? When we lie once and we are not caught, we craft another one. We make it better. <laughs> By the time you're there for some time, you have crafted a way of lying and lying and lying and being corrupt until it becomes part of you and you don't want to let it be. You don't want to let it go. You become a politician who will say this word when they are questioned, they deny it, and there's no way you'll take them. Those are politicians, and we have become some of them. These problems also gives us an opportunity to express our love and also an opportunity to apply God's wisdom to situation. Think about it this way. The Amata is brought before the 12 apostles, and it's a complaint. You can easily dismiss it and, and be like, hey, what do you think we are? Or who do you think you are? You think that is what we are going to do here the whole day? <laughs> but you know what? They, they, they didn't complain about it. In fact, they acted on it immediately. They acted on this matter immediately. When the church is growing, number one, there's a perceived lack of concern. Perceived, not what is real. And this is what people will say. Many people will say, large congregations means not able to attend to people's needs. That is the assumption. And number two, when the church is growing, there is an expectation that the leader will always fix the emerging problem because they come every time. And number three, when the church is growing, there is the rise of internal conflict. People are conflicted within or with the things that are happening Say, so, oh, our people have not been served well. This has not been done well. This and this, this and We'll have hundreds upon hundreds of things that have not been met. Because people have expectations. And we know that when our expectations are not met, we get mad. For those who are married, you know this well, well. We have expectations of our partners. When things are not met, we get frustrated. You know the things that normally takes people to both ends, both depths, 
Many times people don't even fight about God's word. Many times is, he didn't listen to me. Many times is, I said this, he responded to me this way in front of my friends. Many times it is, so Many times it is, you didn't clean the dishes behind you. You didn't, it is the, the, the small, small foxes that breaks people. And sometimes, if you be honest and come and try to address it logically, you'll realize we, we actually don't have a problem. <laughs> we actually, we're just fine. But because we have expectation, we tend to, you know, throw it on these people so hard so that when they are not met, then we feel that we are offended. And that, that is just dealing with one other extra person. What about a pastor who has a congregation of 10,000 people? What is he supposed to deal with? <laughs> when, think about it. When these 15,000 people are content or discontent about things. Sometimes it is a valid thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something that it, it can be presented before the elders and they will pray and deliberate about it and find a better way to fix or not to fix it. Fixing is a dangerous word. <laughs> fix. Fix me. There's always expectations that the leader will fix it. Or we have internal conflicts. We are conflicted. I, I don't like that one, that aspect. I love every other thing. I don't like that one. I don't like this thing. I don't like the way he speaks. I don't like his voice. I don't like... Uh, there's always something you will dislike about people. There's always something you dislike about people. Get it off your mind. We are humans. Pray that the Lord will help you to love people without resentment. <laughs> the apostles instructed the church to seek men from amongst them. And these were the qualifications, threefold. Number one, men of good reputation. Men who have good testimonies. Amongst you, you have dwelt with them. Maybe it's not a long time, but you know people who have good reputation. You know people who are walking in the ways of God. People you can recommend. We don't have many because we want to assume that we have many because we have thousands of people. We only want seven of them. Men of good reputation. Number two, full of the Holy Spirit. You remember first when Peter was preaching, he told them that what you're witnessing, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it is not just for us. It is for you and your people, and your children, and your children's children. It is for everybody. 
when people are getting born again for real, for real, you will see the fruit of the Spirit in them. That is patience, love, long-suffering, and all these things. It will be visible. It will be evident. We'll see it in people's lives. But there are people, but I don't know if they still have the uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, but you see them, you want to run away from them. They're not fine to hang around. I believe this man that they were choosing with this qualification, they had seen them at work already. They were already serving. They were already serving. A man of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and number three, full of wisdom. That they will rightly apply God's knowledge in their daily lives and as they dwelt with people. And considering this qualification, they presented seven men. And apparently, the seven men appointed were Greeks. What was the group that was complaining? The Greeks. So even from amongst the complainers, we have people who are full of the Holy Spirit. People who are walking with God. You know, sometimes we see situations and we see, you know, we go to a place where like, all these people are wicked. No. There are always remnants everywhere. Everywhere, in every nation, there are remnants. You think this nation, they are killing people, there's no freedom for people to worship God. There are always remnants. There are always people. And there will be people until when Jesus comes. In fact, he will come and get the multitude, his church. That means there are a lot of people who have qualified. And this is the model of the church. If we try to edit so that, you know, we can just bring people for the sake of, you know, this is, this is my friend, so we're going to bring them in. This is, I've known this person, but, you know, we, we, we don't know their relationship with God really, but we see them. That is not how it goes. There has to be evidence of their lives. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And when that is happening, and they brought people, this is what they say they'll continue to do. Say they'll appoint people to do that business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the priority of the apostles are two. Praying continually and administering God's word. Praying continually and administering God's word. So we are, we are not going to sit and do all these things. We know that is the problem. 
Or maybe that was the expectation. Now that you haven't gone to this side of town, please find time to come because we have people who need help. Later on, in the pastoral epistles, will be given the qualification of a widow. And actually the one that qualifies to receive help from the church. It is not just, it is in the Bible. There is age limit. There is, if they have relatives who are with them, or they have sons somewhere and, you know, they have people around them, they still do not qualify. <laughs> it is what the Bible writes. Because, you know, when these things are happening, there are people who just want to take advantage of the church. I mean, where, where does the church get all these resources if it's not people who bring these resources to serve other people with? So things have to be laid straight. And sometimes when these things are mentioned very straight, people get offended. People get offended. The offense for this group of people was different, though. They were, they were not receiving daily uh, administration, daily distribution. And you're, you're left to wonder. Everyone else was served except the widows. What was going on? Like the men around got the distribution. The married women got it, except the widows. <laughs> it's a pretty interesting way to look at it. But then, that is not for us to peep into. <laughs> what we are told is they complained. And the apostles didn't say, now that you people are ungrateful pricks, Get off the door. Go find your help somewhere else. <laughs> they complain. But in turn, the apostles did not complain in return. They handled the matter with all wisdom, with all the delicacy. See, this is, it has been brought before us. It is a real thing that is happening. What are we going to do? We can't go and do it. We have to find people to do it. And I want to believe that apart from these seven men, there are other hundreds, probably thousands of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, have good reputation, and had wisdom. These were only seven that were brought. Because they said actually seven. <laughs> don't exceed the number. I don't know why. Number seven but maybe they borrowed from the, the Jewish eldership. They used to appoint seven rulers. You want, like judges, appoint seven judges so that when they are deliberating on a matter or they want to vote, will have an odd number. Or, you know, it's always five or seven or maybe or maybe not. 
but they wanted seven. Maybe seven was a number of, meant something to the apostle, <laughs> number of completion. They did not kick these people away. And do you know what that says to these people? That as much as these people are dedicated and God is using them this way, when you reach out to them, they respond with love. They respond with care. They care about people. They love people. That is why they, respond, they, they responded this way. When, when people come to us with the issues, you know, how do we respond to them? Do we just assume like, ah, you know, the way we do with children, that is not how we respond to people. We love on people. We care for people. God has provided, then in turn we shall provide according to our abilities. And also, remember that the Holy Spirit was working in them, but they didn't know what was happening over there. So be gracious with people. Be gracious. If there's something, bring it to the elders. They will deliberate about it. They will talk about it. And trust that the Holy Spirit will lead them to make proper judgment and proper decisions about it. So as situations arises, Praying and the teaching of God's word should never be neglected at any given time. Or we have, we, we are in the busy season of life, so we ain't going to pray, so we ain't going to teach God's word. No, no, no. If we do that, we're going to lose the reason why we exist as a church. And we're going to start to, you know, put programs that will try to maintain the people have this program, this program, this program, this program. You see how this works in the early church is they don't craft a ministry and find someone to come and fill in. When the need arises and the people are already serving, those people who are serving are the ones that you are pointing for that. If you do it that way, you're going to be safe. You not say, well, we are going to have this ministry. It's already in place. Who wants to lead it? <laughs> there are people who might want to lead it, but have you worked with them? Do you, do you know that they have the vision and the passion to lead that kind of ministry? People can help here and there. But if it's not their calling, you won't just do it. It won't work. The early church is setting for us a pace. Throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, when God is calling people to serve, He calls people who are already at work. Where was David when he was called? In the wilderness, 
being a shepherd boy, and that is the man that God says, I have called David to be a shepherd to my people Israel. He was already at work doing something. When God came to Gideon, he was working at the threshing hold. He was working. God never calls lazy people. There's no place for lazy people here. Find work and do. Find something to do with your hands. The Lord will bless it. He says in his word, I bless the works of your hands. He says, and those who steal, steal no more. Find work to do so that you will be a blessing to those who are in need. But you know, some people say, well, I am the one in need. So bless me. You're blessed to be a blessing. This congregation trusted the judgment of the apostles. If you go to, to a place and you never trust your leaders, please don't sit in that place. Never. Your heart will always be heavy about things. You won't settle. You won't receive God's word with a, he, with a heavy weight in your heart. If you don't trust them, pray that God will lead you to another place where you will trust those people and be obedient and be, you know, work under that leadership. These seven men, they obeyed the call. We, 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 we are not going to see, you know, a lot of stories about uh, five of them. We only get two. Stephen and uh, Philip. They served God faithfully under this man. You cannot be in authority if you're not under authority. It does not work that way. And the result of this was very amazing. The Bible says here, after they prayed and laid hands on them. <coughs> then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So the result was God's word got ground to the point where the priests came to faith. Think about it. Not just the other Kawaida people. The priests, the people who are teaching people in the temple. The people who are involved in explaining God's word to people. <laughs> They're getting born again. <laughs> Imagine if you had listened to them explaining the Bible. You're like, ah, pastor, ato me kaleo. It's amazing. That is to tell you that there is real fruit. Things are really happening for sure. And God also used this man, Stephen. The Bible 
describes him as a man full of faith, endowed with God's power, and was used by God to do signs and wonders. And this will get him into trouble. He's going to be the first man dying for faith. We'll get into that next week. But you know, when these people lodge these complaints, their accusations, you know, the three accusations, the blasphemy against God, blasphemy against the holy place, and blasphemy against the customs of Moses. They sit there, and they bring this man for questioning. This verse 15 is amazing. It says, and all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. His face became bright as the face of an angel. But this man, because of the wickedness of their hearts, these religious leaders, they didn't let this man be. This is what they said. And the high priest said, are these things so? All these accusations. Are they so? That is what we're going to get into next week. But friends, you know, in regards to our walk with the Lord, in regards to what we do for the kingdom, you know, what, what reputations do we have as a people? As an individual, what reputation do you have? As a church, what reputation do we have in this community? Are they just allegations or their truth? And in our walk with God, you know, uh, do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us? Are we full of the Holy Spirit or we are full of ourselves? And then the knowledge that we have received over time, God's knowledge, do we have the capacity to apply it rightly? David says, he prayed to the Lord, say, give me wisdom so that I will be wise in each day that I live. I want to be wise. The worship team, you're welcome. You see the, the, the problems that the church faces is nothing new. It's nothing new in history of the church. It is the same same the same same liar who said, Did God really say? He's the same same man who comes to you and say, Has God called you to do that for sure? Or are you calling yourself to do that? What he does, he, he's become a pro in planting doubt in people. Planting doubt in the lives of people. 
And when he gets you, he'll bust. When you're doubting, you will not act appropriately. When you're doubting, you will not follow the voice of God. But for the believer, even when doubts are coming, don't go that direction. Follow after God. Tell God that, yes, I have a situation. My heart is in doubt right now. I don't know what to do. God, in His grace, will open your eyes to see, will open your minds to comprehend these things. When you fall, you don't remain there. Would say, as David says in Psalms 40, I cried unto the Lord, and He heard my prayers. He took me out of a miry clay and set my feet upon the rock or upon a steady ground. And He gave me a new song. Gave me a new song. I was there. I am no longer there. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. That is what He does to us. That is why we would sing confidently that we are falling back to His grace. Run to the Father, falling into His grace, being done with all the hidings. What can you hide from Him? I pray that God will help us. Situations will be tough, but He's still here with us. People would come to try and ruin your testimony. But be bold. Stand firm and speak the truth. Whatever the cost, we'll see the cost of Stephen's faith is death. And many other believers after years will be taught They'll be hanged in the city squares for their faith. What are you willing to do for the kingdom? I don't know what you're able to do, what you're willing to do. That's on you with him. But I believe many of us have been called, but we are very good at resisting the call of God upon our lives. The God, I'm not ready. God, I'm still in college. I'm still in campus. I'm still not married. I still don't have a wife. I still don't have a job. I still don't have a house. I still, there are things that you still won't have until you die. <laughs> if you don't make an informed decision to serve God, now 
you want later. What will give you the confidence for later? That now you have grown so much in the Lord, so you have things figured out? No, no, no. Come to him because he will help you figure things out. He knows you better than you know you. You're not smarter than him. God, we are grateful. We're thankful for what you're doing amongst us and what you're doing in us. We ask that you, you'll help us grasp your truth and stand with it. No matter the situation, we pray that our faith will be out there. It will be visible. It will be felt. Those of us who have been in the hiding, Lord, I pray that you help us. You're a faithful God. And those who are struggling with different weights in their hearts, Lord, I pray that you would relieve them. Pray that you give them freedom. And as we give to you this afternoon, we pray that you give what will bring glory and honor to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray.